Hi, everyone. This is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to our second season of Medtronic Talks. In our first season, we spoke with the leaders of Medtronic's operating units to better understand the direction of each of the businesses. Now, with their courses set and clear, we're going to talk to the engineers, scientists, physicians, and other experts who are executing on these strategies. We'll still keep a tight focus on each of Medtronic's businesses, but we are going to get a lot deeper into these stories. Let's go. Hey, everybody. This is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome back to the Medtronic Talks podcast. Our guest today is George Murgatroyd. George Murgatroyd is Vice President and General Manager of Digital Surgery at Medtronic. He came to the company in 2020 when Medtronic acquired Digital Surgery, a privately held company and creator of a tool called Touch Surgery, which offers surgery at your fingertips. It's a very cool uh, app-based system on your your smartphone, but it really gives the surgeons and others interested in surgery the ability ability to, to observe, to train, to track information, to track data. There's a lot to the system, and uh, George and Medtronic have a, a great vision for the future, and he'll review all of that today in this podcast episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. But before we begin, I'd like to bring in our sponsor, Dassault Systems. I'm here with Steve Levine. He is Senior Director of Virtual Human Modeling at Dassault Systems. Steve, tell me all about Dassault Systems. The Soul Systems has really been a pioneer in the use of digital technologies now for over 40 years. Most people don't know the company by its name, but they really know us through our world-class brands, the products they use, such as Katia for the design of really complex machines like cars and planes, or SolidWorks, which is used throughout the medical device industry, Simulia for engineering, Delmia for manufacturing, or even Metadata for clinical trial management. And what really sets us apart from other tech companies is our belief that virtualization is really the closest thing to your imagination. But what's different is that using 3D technologies, you can bring it into the real world where you can test it, you can share your ideas with other people, collaborate, apply physics and chemistry to predict behavior. A lot of people are just discovering virtual reality now as if it's a new and novel capability, but we've been actually using it and pushing the limits of that technology now since day one. And what's exciting to us is that we're now able to bring that technology and focus on the med tech and healthcare industry. We'll hear more from Steve Levine about the Soul Systems a little later in the podcast. If you'd like to find out more information, Go to 3ds.com. That's the website for DeSoul Systems, 3ds.com. Well, George Murgatroyd, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Tom. It's great to be here. Been looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, explore uh, touch surgery and how it fits into Medtronic's future. But uh, first, I wanted to talk a bit about, as always, about your background uh, and how you found your way into medtech. Looking at your your background, you're you're kind of a, a newish arrival, I would say, right? You you have not been in the medtech industry for uh, for very long. Well, I've been in kind of medtech and data and software for a while, but only two years or so um, within Medtronic. But yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting journey. Through and through from a, a medical family, family of physicians. One of my sisters uh, is a uh, psychiatrist, which makes uh, family 
gatherings certainly fun <laughs> keeps you on your toes <laughs> um but any, i didn't get one of those at my family <laughs> gatherings i will <laughs> well, i just yeah, have a pediatrician what good is that i mean sure my kids uh, are fun. <laughs> it's pro, pro and con yeah i, I didn't uh, study uh, medicine i i um studied uh, philosophy as an academic and I was a drummer in a rock band, but it turns out job boards aren't awash with uh, jobs for philosophers. The rock thing kind of fizzled out. So I, um, I enjoyed your LinkedIn uh, reference to the drumming. It was uh, your description it was hitting percussive objects with sticks, common noise yeah, making. Yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of about <laughs> it. Um, but I guess probably from my from my background, uh, just growing up with a family, um, healthcare was a kind of a really big draw for me. Um, and then I started working in the NHS almost 20 years ago now in primary care, which is the first time I, I kind of came face to face with this paper-based system mm-hmm. that really didn't have technology designed for physicians and super limited kind of data, clinical data and operational data. And so for the past kind of few years, I've, I've really tried to continue to drive better data, better products for doctors, their teams and healthcare systems. And it's it's been a really fun ride so far. That's interesting. I mean, I'm familiar mostly, almost entirely, with the with the U.S. healthcare system, and we're we're constantly comparing ourselves to others. And uh, I'm not sure whether the comparison to NHS in, in England has been favorable. But how have you seen enough of both to sort of get a sense of uh, whether the grass is greener greener on either side of the fence, or do we both have brown spotty lawns? <laughs> I think that it's the latter, probably. There's some great <laughs> examples of uh, technology. There's some great investment, but it is in patches. Um, yeah. It really is in patches. And I think um, that's that's not for lack of trying and some amazing kind of engineers and leaders within healthcare systems, both sides of the pond. It's just, you know, still healthcare is behind many other sectors, but we are on a mission to, to try and solve that, Tom. So I did notice early on in your career, you mentioned I saw so it looked like some work for government for for maybe politics or at least within po- politicians with who had been elected elected officials I should say not politicians. But how did you come to join uh, Touch Surgery? What was the opportunity there that you saw? Yeah, so prior to joining the Touch Surgery team, I um, worked in a, a leading health data science and software company. Uh, through, I guess, dogged determination, luck, and various people leaving, ended up leading um, the organization. And that was acquired by a multi-billion dollar telco that was diversifying into health. And then I was approached by the touch surgery team around that time, who as a startup were really trying to solve some of the the key challenges in surgery. I think for my, I remember my first interview, I turned up in a suit and the, the CTO uh, who at the time um, was our CTO, was wearing shorts and a vest. Uh, <laughs> and it was kind of this amazing combination of, of technologists, AI engineers, surgeons, medical experts, all kind of, you know, um, formed into this single pulsing kind of organization that was trying to drive some really ambitious goals that convinced me to to join. And then we came to Medtronic in 2020. We'd worked with uh, Medtronic a bit before that. And now we're we're really still driving that connectivity of software, med device, robots, data together into something really exciting. Talk a bit about touch surgery. What is it and what really value does it bring? Let's talk about a sort of pre-acquisition. What was its mission prior to uh, to becoming part of Medtronic? Yeah, so it was founded by surgeons mm-hmm. um, who, I guess, saw the world of surgery split in two. It's not quite that binary, but for the purpose of this conversation, um, the amazing dexterity of surgeons, we all know surgeons have to be really good with their hands, uh, amazing athletes with their hands. But the founders of of Touch Surgery really focused on that cognitive ability, the Hmm. ability of learning and bringing your brain 
to work and surgeons often you know have to rely on both their, their hands and brain and they saw real opportunities to utilize technology to aid the education and training of surgeons and one of the first products they built was a mobile based um, simulator to help inform and train surgeons in the steps of surgery you know they firmly believed surgery was a science that followed a certain path um, and working with some VisFX artists, software developers, animators, they brought surgery to life at the fingertips on mobile phones and really tried to drive training very successfully. Over 5 million downloads of the app. Um, now thousands and thousands of surgeons have utilized it in their training programs. And I think opened up uh, for one of the first times the opportunity to digitize surgery, bring surgery online uh, and move away from the kind of textbook out of the operating room into this world of, of kind of consumer apps. So that was how the the organization started. And since then, we, we've really re- ventured into the operating room to start bringing some of the technology to bear to uh, improve kind of the, the lives of physicians and ultimately to, to try and help uh, improve the lives of patients as well. Interesting. I love that expression, athlete with their hands. And uh, I, I was initially wondering sort of how Touch's approach was received, but the download numbers you gave were really outstanding. Uh, what do you think was driving the interest? Because I, I always envision surgeons sort of being those folks who feel as if they have all the answers. We certainly want them to have all the answers because <laughs> they're the ones performing the task. But what was driving the demand for this? Is it uh, the introduction of new technologies that they had to master? Is it the fact that maybe they're doing different type of procedures because there's fewer surgeons, at least here in the States? I'm assuming it's a similar uh, dynamic or, or demographic in in, uh, in England. What, what do you think was driving the demand for touch surgery's offerings? We'll take a quick break from this conversation to bring back our sponsor, DeSoul Systems. I'm speaking with Steve Levine. He is Senior Director of Virtual Human Modeling at DeSoul Systems. Steve, tell me, how does DeSoul Systems work with medical device companies? Working with med device companies is really the best part of my job. What we do is we provide these companies with a platform that creates what we call digital continuity across all of the operations that they have from the earliest phases of creating ideas for their products all the way through the regulatory approval. I lead the team that's developing a new and previously missing piece of that value chain, which is fully functioning computer models of human body and organ systems. So the researchers can actually understand the patient's medical conditions, design, test new treatments in human models, rather than relying on costly lab setups or in animal models. I like to call them crash test dummies for medical devices. So say you're designing a new LVAD or a surgical robot using computer aided design tools, you now have a realistic 3D patient to use before you ever even build a prototype. From a business perspective, you might say we focus on eliminating the massive translational problem of going from the lab to the clinic that these days really limits the innovation in medical devices. So Steve, we hear a lot of these days about things like digital twins and the metaverse. How does that all apply to medical devices? We think for the most part, what we're really all talking about is the integration of the virtual worlds that companies have been using internally for their R&D with the consumer world that people now see, which is really profound. Bringing these two worlds together is really a powerful metaphor. Uh, We like to use the term virtual twin, which describes uh, the connection between these two worlds. For us, we 
We've been doing this for many years. We use this term to include realistic models of everything from surgical robots to manufacturing lines, all the way to a patient's heart or brain or kidney, et cetera. There's no doubt that the digital transformation that's now happening in healthcare is a game changer. We think it's primarily because digital tools are the language of machines, uh, which opens up the world of robotics, the use of artificial intelligence everywhere, and of course, advanced visualization that helps clinicians interpret the complex data sets that they're now getting from everywhere. Finally, Steve, these are exciting times. How do you see the medtech industry changing in the future? Well, we hear a lot about personalized care, patient-centric medicine, et cetera, but somehow the patient's not actually been in the conversation. So I think with digital health, patients will actually have the ability to behave more like consumers, researching their treatments in detail, shopping around and expecting more rapid and cost-effective responses with evidence they can actually understand. We think virtual twin technologies will be at the heart of that process. It's really the best way to capture the complexity of all of the care they're getting and kind of a universal way for the team all around the patient's care to communicate and share experience. We even see regulators now recognizing that the current model for clinical trials is outdated and including virtual twins in some form of synthetic patients is not only more cost-effective, but reduces uncertainty and can be far more ethical. So I think companies who truly understand this will develop close long-term relationships with their customers they'll be the winners by expanding their customer base easily by an order of magnitude as their patients become consumers and much more empowered. All right. Well, thanks again to DeSoul Systems for sponsoring this episode of Medtronic Talks. Thanks to Steve Levine, Senior Director of Virtual Human Modeling, for joining us today. And if you'd like to find out more information about DeSoul Systems, go to its website. It is three, the number three, ds.com. I think was driving the demand for touch surgeries offerings. I think there was just a dearth of access to an immersive experience in terms of training on surgery. You know, most of it has been paper-based. A lot of uh, surgeons who are training have to stand in an operating room and catch a peak of of an oper- you know, of an operation ongoing. And touch surgery really brought the end-to-end procedure to life in a highly visual, interactive way. So I think there was the kind of the leapfrog moment from textbook to mobile phone, which was one of those. I also think, you know, surgery can be quite isolating when you talk to surgeons. There's obviously a community of surgeons, but a lot of the work they do is in a room with themselves and their team. And often historically, they've got to connect and talk about their process at conferences. They've had to fly the world. And I think what we did was was enable bringing to life um, surgery from three, 400 surgeons worldwide, kind of working with them to define their procedures and kind of de-isolate surgery and, and bring it to the fingertips. So I think a, a number of drivers, and it continues to be utilized. We have thousands of users a day. I think that's, that probably is an intrigue from the public as well, Tom. Mm-hmm. And everyone wants to understand how brain surgery is done, how people kind of surgeons cut into the skull, et cetera. So we do still have and, and keep it open and free to the public um, oh. to democratize really great learning on, on surgery, but still a, a very um, dedicated number of surgeons we work with and access the app to remind, refresh, and, and really um, uh, understand the process of, of surgery and how to do an operation. I'll definitely take it, take advantage of that. So what would just a final question as to where it was, and then we'll get into the acquisition and how it fits into Medtronic going forward, but 
the the interface that the surgeons used with touch surgery was it just on their their phone and was it a video uh, i mean we've seen other sort of surgical training systems with vr and other sort of methods of engaging what was the way the surgeons accessed your your service yeah so it's accessed through app either android or apple and mm-hmm. it's a combination of experiences some of them are fully cgi so um, we have a team of animators a full studio we've kind of picked them out the likes of pixar um one of our lead animators was working on the james bond films uh, in oh, wow. Effect before, uh they joined us so a, a real cream of the crop of, of animators bringing anatomy and operations to life and then we we also work with video to give surgeons that real world experience of how an operation unfolds we do have an xr team as well who have worked for for several years bringing that really immersive um, experience in virtual reality and augmented reality to life as well excellent well let's now talk about uh, where we are today you're part of medtronic where do you fit into medtronic's digital surgery business and how are you interacting with with other parts of it well i'll maybe go to a bit of a higher level on sure. to answer that and, and give a bit of context on operating rooms and, and surgery, because it'll hopefully help position what we're trying to do. Sure. Um, so if you put your memory goggles on, Tom, if you've got them to hand and you kind of rewind 20 years in your home and you think about what your home was like 20 years ago, 2002, um, when my hair was much less gray, you know, you watched your, your TV via cable, you watched your movies through a DVD player, played your music via CD. You knew how much money you had in the bank because you got a paper statement from the bank, at least you did here in England. The mobile phone that you had was a choice of Motorola, Nokia, or I think Samsung. Mm-hmm. That was the extent of it. You know, to take your heart rate, you had to put your fingers on on your veins as opposed to look at your smartwatch. You look at what's happened in, in the homes today in terms of software and technology absolutely transforming our lives all the the smart assistants. If you turn to the average operating room in terms of software assisting surgeons making their lives easier, I think we're closer to 2002 than 2022. Surgeons still watch video through DVDs. They still use paper to order items. Their IT equipment is often over a decade old. And that means that there's massive amounts of manual process, unnecessary time-consuming process uh, ongoing right now, whilst we're talking uh, in almost every operating room and hospital in the world. And in that time between 2002 and 2022, Medtronic's pioneered amazing technology, precision engineered instruments, um, robotics platforms, um, and driven an amazing uh, step change in, in putting into the hands of surgeons amazing technology to enable them to perform procedures well. One of the reasons I'm sat here to answer your question in a very kind of long-winded way. No, it's great background. You know, the, the the final piece of the cheese, if you have trivial pursuits in America. I we do. <laughs> Where did you say it's a piece of pie? I always thought the about it, but pie. we can go there with we go. cheese. Cheese works. <laughs> um, that final piece of the pie of, of amazing instruments, of robots, of medical know-how, trusted relationships with surgeons and these superhuman surgeons themselves Right, the, the final piece of cheese is, is this digital element, this this critical digital cheese wedge. You probably won't hear another person say that phrase <laughs> today. Good name for a band, though, right? But it, <laughs> it's an excellent name for a band. <laughs> but it, it really completes the whole, you know, and it's a real force multiplier 
of completing this surgical experience, this ecosystem of devices, of medical know-how, and this digital wrapper, this software, which has transformed our our, um, our lives in our, our homes, undoubtedly. It's transformed many other sectors. And it's this last piece, which is coming to surgery. And we're really on the cusp of this transformation and a real shift. And so I, I kind of think, you know, we were to some extent brought in to Medtronic to be part of, of that, that piece where we layer in the digital solutions. And we were brought into the robotics division, which I think was another very smart move to drive that force multiplier, not just within surgery, but also some of the latest precision engineered instrumentation, which is on our, our Hugo system with that digital element in terms of AI and software. But we're also part of the larger electric movement across Medtronic, which is layering in this digital and AI piece, which is going across all the OUs within Medtronic, very much a kind of strategic statement of intent to digitize, drive that force multiplier of of instrumentation devices and and digital. So we work, I guess, across Medtronic um, strategically, and we've got great partnerships uh, across a number of OUs, but we're really ultimately excited about how we can bring the, the digital experience and software to our robotics experience, because that really is a, a very exciting, pioneering kind of edge of technology within healthcare. That was a very long answer, Tom. I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry, but I, I felt I, I did it just justice, hopefully. <laughs> that was a great answer. And I believe it or not, have a have a follow-up because I, I want more information. Because I, I, I hear what you're saying about the final piece of the digital wedge that you're completing, the picture for Medtronic. The term digital has a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people. Uh, what does it mean in, in this case? What are you bringing? Is it the imaging, the the visuals? I know AI is a piece of what you're doing. What exactly does touch surgery bring into what Medtronic's doing in this space? So I think at an overarching level, what we're, we're bringing is digital assistance, digital tooling to surgeons and their teams that can support them case after case. Um, so where can we automate the manual? Um, where can we provide value and put computers to hard work to make their lives easier? And the second is is bringing really great data to the fore. And the combination of this digital tooling and data will, we believe, make surgeons' lives, surgeons' teams' lives easier, bring it up to scratch of, of what we expect to see in, in our consumer and other sector uh, environments, but also start giving surgeons, teams, hospitals data on, on this really profound part of, of healthcare which really impacts patients' lives, you know, and, and every surgeon wants to do the best with their skill set. Every surgeon is a learner. And I think we can provide um, data, insights, analysis to really drive forward and put information in their hands that helps them be the best they can be. So yeah, the, the combination of digital assistance, case after case, and better data is, is something we're kind of focused on. And that combines edge computing, it combines AI, but all of those are a means to an end. They're a means to an end to improve uh, the experience of surgeons, help them be better surgeons, and ultimately support um, patient care. I'm guessing the answer to this might be all three, but where will that come into play in the surgical process? Is it going to be part of planning? Uh, will you be present during surgery? I've, I've heard other companies present themselves as sort of as a, as a GPS for surgeons during surgery. Is it going to be used post to sort of assess this, a surgeon uh, surgery and sort of perhaps learn or, or just assess the health of a patient? Where do you fall into that sort of cycle? 
So I think our view is is across the surgical workflow. Yeah. So preoperative, intraoperative, and postoperative, because that's ultimately how uh, the patient workflow goes. Follow the patient, but also how surgeons think about their care and surgical teams think about their care. So our, I guess our very first product, Touch Surgery, we really focused on the preparation and training. Our Touch Surgery Enterprise product, uh, which we hopefully will talk about in a bit, otherwise I'm, I'm not doing my job uh, on this podcast, <laughs> um, has focused on the post-operative review. But we have a team and I'm lucky enough to, to kind of gain exposure and work with some amazing engineers and scientists who are working through day by day and the ability to provide surgeons and their teams with support whilst they operate. That's, again, um, one of the opportunities we have to to really transform the surgeon experience is to give them support um, whilst they're performing some of the most complex tasks that humans do uh, day in, day out basis. So let's talk about uh, touch surgery enterprise. Where, where does that fit into all of this? So I mentioned you know, rewind 20 years in your home and you, you had a DVD collection. I don't know whether you've still got one, Tom, whether you're still hanging on to uh, uh It's nostalgia. funny you my, my son pulled out our old car radio today, uh, the other day, and didn't remove our CDs. And I'm like, those are my CDs. I need them. And the question was asked, well, what are you, you going to play them on? I'm like, I don't know, but I want them anyway. <laughs> like, give me my CDs. But yes, no, we're, we have definitely, we're slowly mo- moving over to the digital world. Sorry, longer answer than you probably wanted. No, no, that's good. I, <laughs> um, it, it took a bit of energy, but a, a, probably around five or six years ago, I um, I took to the charity shop all of my DVDs and CDs. I was like, that's, <laughs> you know, I don't need them anymore. It feels like a long time ago since I, I put a DVD into a machine or a USB stick pen drive into a computer. I don't think Medtronic policy allows us to use pen drives or USB sticks. Um, but this is the world of surgeons. Mm-hmm. Um, if you perform a four-hour case, um, which is kind of commonplace in some specialties within surgery, so you perform an operation for four hours, and then you want to work with the team to review the case, say something interesting happened or a complication happened or something amazing happened during the case, the workflow for a surgeon today is uh, so convoluted generally and cumbersome that a lot of surgeons just give up and turn to the whiteboard. Hmm. Uh, they don't benefit from the kind of, you know, I use the athletics analogy. They don't benefit from, you know, Serena Williams or uh, your pro athletes being able to just review their, their game tape and their footage. They have to download a video, find a PC to plug it in, try and load it, and how do they share it with colleagues? And every time we engage with surgeons, um, we kept coming across this challenge a fairly basic challenge of, of how do we actually review, mm-hmm. share, learn on the procedures we're actually performing on a daily basis? Why are we losing, surgeon said, all of this amazing insight, data, learning material because the technology hasn't kept up? So we designed from scratch um, a way to give surgeons an ability to now um, review and have access to their, their case tape, uh, the video of their case within seconds at their fingertips right away with things like one-tap sharing with colleagues and providing surgeons with just a a really powerful, seamless, easy way where we've told our engineers to solve a problem, turned out to be quite a complex problem from a technical um, perspective, but to give surgeons something which is almost zero effort from their perspective. And we're seeing this amazing experience that our surgeons are having in terms of just being able to access their own surgeries. Um, share their own surgeries, reflect and review on their own surgeries. Mm. 
So at its heart, it, it's a, you know it, it it is in itself a digital ecosystem. You know, moving them from the blockbuster era to Netflix, and I guess is a an example of where technology can help automate um, things that have previously been really time consuming, really annoying to surgeons, and do it in a in a really safe, secure way, which keeps getting better. And that is the 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 real opportunity with I guess software is that we keep, as you'd expect with any app, releasing updates, making it better, improving the experience. Um, so that's Touch Surgery Enterprise in a nutshell. Uh, it's underpinned by some um, really quite clever AI, et cetera. But again, that is a means to an end. It's a means to make video secure. It's a means to enable surgeons to have access to video. And I think the team is really proud of that technology and gives a statement of intent in, in terms of where we're where we're going and the way in which we can provide technology which solves meaningful problems for surgeons. And we had we had a surgeon in a conversation with my boss, Mike Marinero, who I, I think you did a, a yep. he's been on the podcast for sure. Uh who said our touch surgery enterprise software was the first time that this surgeon had seen a meaningful use of software within surgery. And I think that, you know, that, that really is a, a kind of really great message for our team also makes the case for why, you know, investment in software and surgeries is also so needed. That's a great, it's a great analogy to the, the sports team. Again, you're right. I mean, if someone's performed one five-hour surgery or five one-hour surgeries, but for them to go back and review a, an important moment would be impossible. Whereas a baseball player can review every at-bat, you know, 15 minutes after it happened. So uh, certainly seems to be some uh, some inequity there. That sounds exciting. So I, I, do you have, I love the the 20 year sort of look back. Do you have a sense of what surgery might look like 20 years from now? What uh, what would you like it to be? I, I don't think you'll have to reveal anything overly proprietary, but uh, what do you think? How do you think surgery will be different in 20 years? Yeah, well, with, with a, a number of customers now um, and sites, we're already providing uh, interpretation of, of surgery. So supporting surgeons to review underpinned by objective analysis of their surgical video. So automatically generating data on surgery to support um, variation and standardization. And there's a real groundswell now of surgeons who really want to understand data mm -hmm. um, and start really digging into optimal ways to perform surgery or, or where there are marginal gains, much again, much like um, elite athletes. So I think as we move forward, that there really will be increasingly robust information that's going to support surgeons as they train. It's going to support surgeons as they develop and grow. And it's going to be really meaningful globally to democratize, I suppose, an understanding of, of best surgical practice. Um, so the data element, I think, is really exciting. And obviously, we're part of Medtronic. And I, and I talked about that trivial pursuit wheel there's an opportunity to connect a lot of the information um, mm -hmm. from operating rooms across the, the patient pathway and provide, I guess, really holistic, but very nuanced, precise ways of understanding patient care and surgery, which, which is, I guess, coming and very exciting for us as a, as a team, as an organization um, to be driving some of that. I mentioned the opportunity with decision support during the case. And, and I guess the analogy there is is one very much of, of the um, smart cars or driverless cars. We have witnessed a kind of 
you know, a revolution in cars becoming smarter of an expectation when we buy a new car, although my car is 15 years old. So whenever I go to America and rent a car, I kind of get very scared by things vibrating and beeping and kind of telling <laughs> me across the lake. But you wouldn't expect to, to buy a car today, I don't think, that doesn't have some form of assist whilst you drive, that doesn't have kind of some form of rear view sensor that tells you you're going to reverse into a tree or not. And some of that technology first appeared on cars 60, 70 years ago and took a, a long time to become uh, part of the kind of mainstream automobile industry. But we're going to see the same within surgery, I think, where it will be expected and will become more commonplace that um, during a procedure, surgeons just have support that have machines that can help them, uh, that can spot things, that can interpret things on on the fly and give them uh, a much better experience on their teams, a much better experience. Because today, surgeons walk into an operating room, they've got an amazing team, they've got their hands and they've got their eyes. And that's a big ask. Incredible credit to the these, as I said, superhuman individuals who are performing some of the most complex tasks, precision tasks, it's crying out for us, for engineers worldwide, within Medtronic and outside, to to bring to their operating rooms, their workplaces, technology which can really support them. I think we had a um, a surgeon here in England who said that there's only going to be one type of physician in the future, and that's the physician that works with AI. And I think that probably is going to be the case in expectation throughout that surgical journey, where there's assistance that they really do feel like there's. Um, uh, software and opportunity to connect, to improve, to learn, and yeah, I think you know to your point, we're going to see it preoperatively, intraoperatively, and um, postoperatively. Fantastic! Well, it's a it's an exciting time, especially again when you think as to where we were twenty years ago, and you don't often think about how different life is today, but that is a great comparison. This has been fantastic, George. Thank you for the time and for uh, planning and, and introducing us to uh, to touch surgery and touch surgery enterprise. Oh, it's my pleasure. Anytime, Tom. That is a wrap. Thanks so much to our sponsor, DeSoul Systems, for supporting this episode of Medtronic Talks. Thanks, of course, to George Murgatroyd for sharing his thoughts and insights. And thanks, of course, to you, our listeners. Please do subscribe to the Medtronic Talks podcast on any major podcast application. That way, you will get future episodes sent directly to your phone or tablet or laptop, wherever you happen to be listening. You won't want to miss a future episode. Please also share this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast on your social media channels, LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever you're at. Be great to get the word out about this podcast. And when you do, I'd love it if you connected with me. I am on LinkedIn, Tom, S-A-L-E-M-I, and on Twitter at MedTechTom. If you'd like to find our library of previous episodes of the Medtronic Talks podcast, you can find it on Medtronic.com or DeviceTalks.com. But subscribing is the best way to keep up on this constant flow of expertise and insights from the great folks at Medtronic. Thanks again for joining us. Tune in next time. We'll have another great episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast waiting for you. <laughs>